right, so we're on number six. Mystery of iniquity. All right, so what that is, well, first, there's our anchor verse, or our series verse, where Paul's telling us that as believers, we're ministers of Christ. There are these, we're to be stewards of these mysteries, and we've talked about what a steward is, is, is that we're to learn these mysteries, we're to to be able to teach others, and we need to put these in our lives and help help us live day to day. That's being a steward. So, and I put the little table on the bottom. Those are the seven mysteries that we've been going through. Uh, I'm not going to review all of them now. We've we've done so much review. Um, let me just make sure I don't want to skip some. Should do you guys want to review them real quick? I don't want to. Crickets. <laughs> okay, no, let's move on then. The seven mysteries are they're all they're all and I, I've described them like this. They're like a glacier. You know, when you when you see a glacier, only ten percent of it's above the sea, and then you got this massive volume underneath. Each one of these mysteries just is just a little thing, seemingly simple, but there's just a huge body of truth that goes along with it that it uncovers. Um, so Last week we, or last couple weeks we talked about the rapture. There's all kinds of truth there. And does anyone actually some candy bars? I didn't do any candy bar bonus questions. Last couple weeks we've covered the rapture. Can anyone tell the class anything about the rapture that you learned or that you know or that we covered? There's three of them. There are three raptures. And you got to know which one you're going out in. I'm going out the first. Eh? Eh? The first rapture was the Old Testament saints. They went out when Jesus went up. And then the second rapture is us. That's what we're waiting on. Now, the rapture... No, that's good, Kevin. Here you go. Just like for Lambert's. Oh, that's a good catch. Anything else about the rapture? Is the third one... The third one is the tribulation saints okay. at the end, in the tribulation, which we kind of cover today. It's it's in that big fold out timeline, but it's that's another thing. Yeah, Pam. One thing that uh, one thing like so, that I got solid uh, out of last week's was I, I know I've heard of it. It just I just took it in real well. Yeah. Last week is the fact that. God is trying to replace the third uh, yeah, of the, the fallen angels. Were. Okay, so when the very last, when that's fulfilled, when yeah. fulfillment, then the rapture will begin. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know that. I heard that, but I didn't really absorb it until last week. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's, that's a cool truth. You're right, it is. It's just it's God refilling the kingdom of God right. from the fallen angels that we'll actually even talk about today a little bit. And uh, well, that's good. Candy bar, bam. Oh, yes. Let's go. Oh, man, that's good. I'm getting better at winging them. I need to work at Lambert's. You know, another thing of the rapture that, that we talked about is the rapture, one of the purposes for the rapture is to get your glorified body. Because when you're saved, when you come to know the Lord as your Savior, your soul is saved and sealed. You're, you're His. But this old body is not saved. This old body is going to be worm food. So at the rapture is when God gives us our glorified body matched with our soul. It's already glorified. And then we go up and be with Him. Meet our loved ones. We have our family reunion first in the clouds. Then we go to be with him. So the rapture is the time when God... Because you know how we talk about the Holy Spirit is earnest. Like when you buy a house, you, you give it earnest money that you're serious. You're going to buy that house. The rapture is when God buys your house. We've got the Holy Spirit now as earnest. But yeah, when the rapture comes, we, we get our glorified bodies. All right, so that was the last couple weeks, the rapture. And it's, like Pam said, it's going to happen... When the last Gentile bows their head and accepts the Lord as their Savior. And it's any day now, hopefully. We'll hear that trump. Alright, so today, the mystery of iniquity. Alright, so on the second page. And I, if, you, if you remember, I told you guys when we first started these mysteries, 
that the last three mysteries are kind of my favorite. Um, you know, if you can have a favorite. They're all good, but the last three are, are good for me because I personally like feel these guys every day. These are in the back of my mind, these mysteries. They help me live my day-to-day life a little more so than some of the others. Of course, the rapture, I try to live with the mindset that today could be the day. I don't, want to, I don't want him to come when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. I need to be busy about his business. So I always live that. Now the next two we're going to talk about, six and seven. Six, mystery of iniquity. It deals with the devil and the antichrist that's coming. And, uh, I mean, just turning on the news and all this COVID stuff, I mean, it's obvious we're in the end times. We're kind of wrapping this thing up. So this is, this is an interesting study. Next week's number seven, the, the mystery of Babylon, is more about the devil's church and world system that we're all living in and how that's affecting us. Uh, man, it's hot in here. I don't know if it's because we're talking about the devil. But I wonder if we can get a fan or rose. Open the window. If my wife was here, I'd have her get a fan. Yeah, there's one in the kitchen. Maybe we can fire up because it's gonna it's gonna get hotter as we start talking about this guy. Don't mention the word fire. Yeah. You're on fire. The fire. All right, so. This mystery is found in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. So let's just flip there and, and have a look at it. 2 Thessalonians 2.7. Remember last week when we talked about the rapture, it's primarily in 1 Thessalonians. The second coming and the Antichrist is in 2 Thessalonians. And just a quick wrap up. Paul, in the book of Acts, in chapter 17, went through Thessalonica, and he discipled them for just a couple weeks, and he got run out of town. And while he was there for those couple weeks, he covered the rapture and the coming Antichrist, the man of sin, son of perdition. After Paul left, some people came in. Yeah, there you go. I've got an extension cord. One moment. Four for four. There we go. You can make that work. All right. Some false teachers came in, and they got the the second th- the Thessalonians all scared that they had missed the rapture and the coming of the Lord. Um, so Paul writes these books to like set them straight on the events that are going to come. That's why this mystery is in this book. Does that make sense? All right. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Oh man, that feels better. Yeah, just leave it right like that. <laughs> just on me. Jim, are you going to do the I want to be that guy. You guys feeling that okay a little bit? You can kind of turn it more toward them. Oh, it's going everywhere. All right, yeah, that's cool. The better? Yeah, really, it's cool. All right, it is cool. And my Bible's changing. All right, so let's. let's all right, so Paul's setting them straight on the uh, the coming Antichrist. Down to verse seven, he tells them, "For the mystery of iniquity doth already work; only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way." All right, that's that. He's talking about the devil and the Antichrist, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a lot, but. Sorry about that. Man, that's a strong fan. It, this this verse this verse sounds kind of like double speak. That's why I put the little Middle English Old English there. The word "let," you know, the English language is very unique, is that we're an amalgam of lots of tribes and things in Europe. So the word "let" has two different meanings. One is to permit, you know, I'm going to let you go to the store, and the other one is to prevent. As in, tennis uses let a lot to prevent. So, this letteth is to hinder or prevent. So, the mystery of iniquity, the things the devil's doing, is already at work. Only he who now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. So, something is hindering the work of the devil, which is the Holy Spirit in us. And then once we're taken out of the way in the rapture, 
the devil's going to get his 15 minutes of fame during the tribulation to bring hell on earth. So the mystery of iniquity is, is kind of the study. It's the way we're going to approach it today. It's the study of the devil and his man, the Antichrist. Yes? I have a good question, I think. Yes. Uh, so before we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, was he free to have hell on earth? No. He's not. It's, it kind of goes back to the book of Job. The de- and even today, the devil is only allowed to, to do what God allows him to do. And he's on a sh- relatively short leash right now. When we're gone, he's on a long chain, and he gets to bring about all of this stuff in the tribulation that we've talked about in the book of Revelation. But we'll get we'll get to some of that. Will you just say real quick what left? Who now let it will let? I was chasing my. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Let. Will you just say that? What what I was meaning here is this let and letteth is the old English term of prevent or hindering. Whenever you watch a tennis match and they hit the ball and it hits the net, the ump will call let. That's the old English. Because it's, yes, it's preventing the ball from doing what it should do. That's the usage. It's not permit, like we think, let me go to the store. That's a permitting version of let. That's a Middle English. That's actually Saxon. Um, it's prevent. So in this verse, you can write in your Bibles like hinder or prevent. Yeah. It would be like withhold. He who now withholds will withhold. It's stopping it. Something is stopping the Antichrist from having his way on the earth. So that, so yeah, you can write on your Bible, withhold, let. Because when you first read it, yeah, when you, when you first read it, you think, oh, he who now permits will permit. But that's not exactly what it's doing. All right. It's not his time yet. And that's what Second Thessalonians kind of goes into the time. And we'll talk about some of that. You know, I might mention, okay, the definition, it's the study of the devil and the person he works through, the Antichrist. These are two different people. Now, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but there's actually, there, we know of the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the, the Holy Trinity. There's also an unholy Trinity. There's the devil, then there's the Antichrist, which is a man, just like Jesus was a man. The devil has a man, the Antichrist. And then there's a false prophet. So there's an unholy trinity that shows up in Revelation like 13. So the mystery of iniquity is kind of the study of the devil, the being that was created, and then his man, the Antichrist, that's going to come about and, and do his wickedness on the earth. And the devil's going to do it through him. Just the way God worked through Jesus the devil's going to work through the Antichrist. The Antichrist is not necessarily the devil. He's the devil's man. Does that make sense? Kind of like Jesus is God. Yeah, that's, it's the mystery of godliness. The mystery number one is the mystery of godliness. It was God manifest in the flesh. The mystery of iniquity is the opposite. It's the devil manifest in the flesh. So those two kind of go together. So, and, and we don't hear a lot of teaching on the devil or the Antichrist, so I thought this would be a fun time to kind of cover that. We're going to talk about some things you've probably never heard of, again, just like we did with the rapture. And I don't have the time to like lay out the full body of, of evidence behind it. I mean, I, I can, you know, one-on-one or something, but I've only got like another 45 minutes here. <laughs> This is a lot bigger than that. All right, so I wanted to start out with a definition of the anti, Antichrist. Antichrist kind of has two meanings, two forms, and it really pictures how the devil works through this guy. One of the forms is instead of, like antipasta. That's a, instead of having dinner, you have like a brunch. It's, it's like not dinner. It's kind of like dinner. It's... It's, it's the anti-form. The other one is in opposition to. 
So those are kind of two forms of the word anti. It doesn't really mean a lot, but those are the two ways the devil works. And we'll get into that. So the Antichrist, I put a little table there. It's a counterfeit person or idea that's presented instead of Christ or a person or idea that's in opposition to Christ. And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to raise up and be an imitator. I'm a peaceful guy. I'm a religious guy. I'm like Christ. I'm instead of Christ. And then he's going to turn on the Jew and be opposing to Christ. Start killing people that the Jews. Um, So there's that. We'll get into that as we go. Um, The word Antichrist, it's only in our Bible five times. And these are the five verses. Kevin might know this. Why do you think John is the only guy that really talks about the Antichrist? Pat would know too. John is a type of the church. John was John Jesus revealed Judas only to John. So it's it's another it's a side thing, but John knows about the antichrist coming and these are the four verses where where he's laid out and in each ver in, in, the, in these verses he's very clear that the antichrist denies that Jesus came in the flesh. That's what he's all about. So that's that's that. So, all right. Let me. Let me go back to Job. Whenever we start talking about the devil, um, this is all about knowing our enemy and how valuable it is to know our enemy. And God wants us to know the enemy. If we go back to the book of Job, chapter 41, I just want to show you guys something here. The devil, you know, I said this last week, other than the Lord Jesus, the devil is talked about more than any other person in the Bible. God gives us all kinds of information about the devil. The thing is, we have to be workmen and go digging for it. And there's about five or six chapters in our Bible that are key to understanding the devil and his ways. In the Old Testament, it's Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 7, and Job chapters 40 and 41. These are like bombshell chapters about the devil. And in chapters 40 and 41, God is answering Job. It's kind of toward the end of his persecution. You know, we all know the story of Job. God's talking to Job, and he's, um, he, he basically, you know, who are you? I'm God. And, and he, he goes into a discussion on the devil for these two chapters. Um, I wish we had time to read both. Let me just okay, but the the verse I wanted to point out is in verse uh, chapter forty one, Job forty one, thirteen. God's talking here. Actually, verse twelve. I'm going to start in verse twelve. God's telling Job about the devil and how powerful he is, and then in verse twelve, God says, "I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion." Comely is a word we use for handsome or you know good looking. Uh, proportion would be his form. So God's not going to conceal what the devil is and what he looks like. And in verse 13, who can discover the face of his garment? You know, these are all rhetorical questions he's asking Job. Man can't, God can. God's going to tell us this this the devil can change faces like we change clothes. And that's what he's telling Job. I'm going to tell you what this devil guy is all about, this devil being. And I'm not going to try to, to conceal him. So, that's a cool verse that we're going to start with. So on our next page, on our handout, I list out those chapters that talk about the devil in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, there's a few chapters I laid out there. All right. So God's not going to cover this guy up. So we're going to talk about the origin of Satan. Where did this guy come from? Where does being? 
Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 1. I'm going to show you guys something here. Genesis 1, 1. So, I'll have a question. Yep. Um, I was uh, doing a little bit of a study earlier about double this week. Yep. And uh, in the NIV version, in Isaiah... 714. Uh, huh? 714, calling Morningstar. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the King James says he's son, son of the morning. Yeah. And, That's uh, a very big key that I'll actually get into in a couple pages. Because that verse I just read about God's not going to conceal his parts or, or the, the face of his garment. The new Bibles that have come out since the 1880s when Westcott and Hort did their Greek New Testament butchers pretty much all of the verses that that show the devil who he is. So he's he's impossible to trace through these other Bibles. So that's that's one of the reasons we use KJV here because you can't find the devil in these other Bibles because of stuff like that because Jesus was the morning star he's called the morning star several times so it actually in in Isaiah 7.14 calls Jesus the devil or or the devil Jesus whichever way you want to look at it in NIV ESV, RSV Good News for Modern Man, the Living Bible really any Bible because there's two texts this is a whole other subject yeah, the Texas Receptus and then the stuff from, from Westcott and Hort. And all of those new Bibles come from that other line of text that, that distort and pervert things. So but that's, that's a whole other study. But yeah, you're right, Kevin. So let's talk about the origin of Satan. So everything I'm going to show you today would be probably impossible to see in another Bible. But this is really cool stuff. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right, we all know that verse. Very simple. God created it. In Isaiah 45:18, I uh, wrote it there on your handout, and it's also in Jeremiah 20, uh, Jeremiah 4. I should have put that. Those are places where God tells us that the earth was made beautiful, lush, ready to be inhabited. Okay, but then look at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. We believe this is the fall of Satan. And I'm going to show you where it's at. And this is called the gap theory. Has anyone heard of this? We call it the gap fact. This is, this is the way it happened. So... After verse 1, let's flip over to Ezekiel 28. First, we'll go to Ezekiel 28. Because what, what is cool is, Genesis kind of gives us the layout of how things happened. But in the rest of our Bible, God gives us all the, the missing info that we don't get in Genesis. And some of that's in Ezekiel 28. So... Ezekiel 28. All right. Here in Ezekiel 28, God is telling Ezekiel about two guys that are coming. The first guy in verses 1 through 10 is this prince of Tyrus. Which book is that? This is in Ezekiel 28. I'm starting chapter? Yeah. chapter 28. We start in verse 1. God's filling in some of our missing info here. He's telling, telling us about two guys. The, the prince of Tyrus in verses 1 through 10. And that's the Antichrist. And look at verse 2. He, he, he says over and over, Thou art a man. Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, thou hast said, I am a God. I sat in the seat of God, which is what the Antichrist is going to do, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God. Okay, so, and it goes on and describes the Antichrist in, in verses 1 through 11, 1 through 10. That's the Prince of Tyrus. 
Well, then God shifts gears in verse 12. And now he's going to talk about the king of Tyrus, which is the devil. And he says, Son of man, in verse 12, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. All right, it's very, very common in the Old Testament that God addresses the devil as these different kings king of Babylon, king of Tyrus, you know. There's a lot of titles for the for the devil. This is one of them that he uses, the king of Tyrus. So son of man, in verse 12, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, thou sealest up the sum, you're full of wisdom and you're perfect in beauty. Look at verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold. So he's got a shiny, flashy suit, you know, like Liberace or something. <laughs> he's in the Garden of Eden. Um, and then look at the last half of verse 13. And the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou was created. So he also likes music. He's got a shiny suit. He's in the Garden of Eden. And he loves music. And he's good at the, these pipes. Then verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Okay, that's the smoking gun who we're talking about here. He's the anointed cherub. I have set thee so, and, and thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15, Thou, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day he was created until iniquity was found. And by the multitude of thy merchandise, he filled the midst of thee, and he talks about how bad he is. And then God gives him five things he's going to do to him. He's going to cast him out. He's going to destroy him. He's going to be weighed, weighed laced, laid waste, and all these bad things. So that's one picture of Satan. That tells us he was in the garden, he liked music, and he had snappy clothes. All right, let's look at Ezekiel 14. Or I'm sorry, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, God kind of tells us a little more about him. All right. Everybody there? Isaiah 14, down around verse 7. God, God's telling Isaiah about Lucifer here. He says, oh, how, oh verse 12. Seven, ah. Isaiah 14, verse 12. Is that what I told you guys? Ah, oh, you found it. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will exalt my throne, I will set upon the mount of the congregation, I will ascend to the high, I will be like the most high. Those are the five I wills that Satan uttered and thought. And then in Ezekiel 28, we have the matching five judgments against those five I wills. But here he's called Lucifer. Lucifer's a seven-letter name. All the cherubs had seven-letter names. Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer, that was seven. Because seven is the number of perfection. Well, then later he's called Satan, the devil, which is five letters. Five is the number of death. Six is man, yeah. So five is, so he goes from perfect to death. So that all matches. So Lucifer falls in verse 12 and 13 which happens between Genesis 1 and 2, laid waste to the earth. That's, that's what we call the gap fact. That's when he fell. So that's the origin of Satan. Started out as Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub that covered the throne. And it's really cool to see in some of these Old Testament descriptions of God's throne, some of the descriptions are before the fall, 
when there was a cherub that had the face of a of an ox or like a, a bull, but then later in Revelation when the throne is described, that's the one that's missing. So it's uh, the devil and the bull are kind of the, the the thing, the same thing. It's one reason Baal worship was the way it was in the Old Testament because the devil was the instigator behind it and he was the cherub with the bull face. So it just all works. So, does that make sense? That's the origin of Satan. That's where this guy being came from. Alright. Now the first time he actually shows up in the reading of the Bible is in Genesis 3. Let's flip over there real quick. Genesis 3. Now, you know, Adam and Eve are in the garden. We all know the story. They're there. Everything's perfect. Uh, And then the serpent shows up. One of the rules of Bible study, there's like 21 rules of Bible study, and one of them is the rule of first mention. The first time something's brought up, it's going to set a pattern for that thing. You guys probably heard that. So now this is the first time the devil shows up, so let's see what he does. And I think even Pat was, you even preached on this a few weeks ago. Life issues, yeah. Because I know Pat and Steve have touched on this over the last month or so. All right, so verse, uh, chapter 3, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. With a question mark. First time devil shows up, he's asking a question. Did God really say that? And that, that sets the pattern for how the devil works in our life, in the Bible. He is always questioning and causing us to question everything that's true. So that's, that's a cool thing how, how that starts out. Well, when we're, Jim, when we're doing things wrong, basically that is the devil. You know, he, that's our questioning. You know, we're like, oh, that ain't so bad. We're not doing such a bad thing. Anymore. Yeah. Drunk or yep. totally dead. I'm not as bad as that guy. Yeah. They did worse. They did that worse. The first thing I did, you know. <laughs> you oh, like, we're slinging mud. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I used to think that back when I was drinking. Well, I don't do that. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not beating my wife, you know, black and blue. No. It's right. It's like gambling. Yeah, I mean, all of us, we all, yeah, exactly. We doing worse things. Yeah, so. Anyway, so first time devil shows up, he's questioning God, and that's what he does in our lives. He has, he wants us to question everything and, and draw us away. And then the first prophecy about Jesus and the Satan uh, is in the same chapter 3, down in verse 15. And this is what Steve taught on a few weeks ago about Cain and Abel. And this, this really sets what the Bible's about in verse 15 here. Whenever God comes down and, and to spank the devil and he tells the devil, I will put enmity, you know, hatred, they, ain't, they don't like each other, between thee, the devil, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. You know, it, her seed shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he's, he's setting the thing for the Bible. There are two seeds God and the devil, Jesus, Satan, good, right and wrong, light light and dark. There's two paths here through the rest of the Bible. And the rest of the Bible is nothing except God trying to outmaneuver, the devil trying to outmaneuver God. And we'll see that on the next page with these two seeds. All right, so... I'm not sure if you guys are on the same page. So, the work of the devil in the Old Testament, this seed thing sets up the rest of our Bible, like I said. The devil is a created being. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't know what God's thinking. He doesn't really know what you're thinking. He only reacts to what he sees. He's, He's a created being. So as God lays out his plan of salvation and, and, and started bringing about the Lord, the whole Old Testament is nothing but the devil trying to stop it. 
okay and then I just kind of put a, a, a series of things here he tried to he tried to kill Abel you know you th- he has tried to wipe out the seed of the woman all through the Old Testament all those stories about the battles everything that happened was just the devil trying to play a chess game against God to stop that seed from coming that make sense uh, I just kind of put down a few things here. And what's cool is, is, is knowing our enemies and knowing how the devil worked. That's why I love these old stories in the Old Testament. Because the way devil works through man, whenever, just like us, when we, have a, when we have a high moment in our life, when we have like VBS this week, when it was just an awesome time with the Lord, we, we served the Lord, we, we taught the kids, the kids were receptive, and we're on a mountaintop. The devil don't like that. Doesn't like that. And just like in the Old Testament, anytime they they had victory in anything, the devil was there to mess them up. He used, he brought in immorality, he brought in temptations, he brought in backbiters. I mean, even in David's family, he had all these gossipers and people causing trouble. He wants to be on the free. He wants to who? He wants to be on afraid. He does. He likes doing that. That's that's very true. And that's why whenever I'm discipling somebody, like the very first set down with them that I have, I, I before I even crack open the Bible, I say, Hey, look, you're in the devil's crosshairs now because you're getting serious about God, and he does not like that. And all through the Old Testament, any time the nation of Israel would get serious about God, he was always there with something. That's the way he works. So I always tell my new disciple, you need to be on guard big time because you're in his crosshairs and he's going to do all he can to stop this effort in your life. So, that's that. It's like, it's like they say that the Bible and history is like any continuous chess game. Mm-hmm. God creates and then brother Yeah. It's like Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And the only way throughout the Bible is just to move and come it is, you know. Uh, it is. I mean, how many times is someone excited about the Lord? They want to go through discipleship. They want to plug in, and an old boyfriend or girlfriend shows up. A new job opportunity comes along. A new housing opportunity. I mean, it's like every time. You know, and these guys, I, I work with a lot of guys in the jail, and I write them, and we write back and forth, and I always tell them, man, when you get out, you need to be on guard. And... I see it all the time. Because that's what you generally, you're your most vulnerable. And when you think you're... You think you're on the mountaintop, you're doing good, but man, he's sneaky. He's going to try to kick you, right? Kick it out from under you. Kick stools out. And that's what he did in the Old Testament. And that's what he did in this next section, the 18 types of Antichrist in the Bible. I don't know if you've heard this. We've talked about it a few times in here, but in the Old Testament... It's in, it's in the back of your handout. We're not going to go through it all. I just I gave it to you as if it's a reference. All through the Old Testament, there's 18 guys that the devil used to, to, to get to Israel, to do something. And, and all these 18 guys had characteristics that the Antichrist is going to have. So we call them types of the Antichrist because they do things to persecute Israel. And so by looking at these guys, we know what the Antichrist is going to look at, look like, because these, these guys are, are types. Um, most of them are killed by head wounds, which we know the Antichrist is going to be killed with a head wound. So we don't have time to go through all that. So that's just kind of for your reference. I wrote mine in the back of my Bible. That's where I got this list. I just I pulled it out of that. So in the New Testament, on the next page... The work of the devil in the New Testament. So now, the devil, all through the Old Testament, he does not want Jesus to be born. Because he knows he's going to bruise his head and then and the heal thing. So, the goal of the Old Testament is the devil keeping Jesus from being born. When Jesus is born, he tries again with Herod to kill him, but that didn't work. Uh, God sent him to Egypt. Um, Jesus did get crucified, of course, and, and died and resurrected. And there's an interesting verse in Second, wait, First Corinthians two, eight, that if the devil would have known that Jesus' death, what it meant, then he wouldn't have 
probably had Judas do his thing because the devil was going to try to kill Jesus. I'm going to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that backfired because God outsmarted him. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.8, I think it is, is when he says that if the devil would have known, then he wouldn't have done what he did because it kind of backfired on him. So, all right, so now the seed's born. Jesus has come. The, our, our salvation has been purchased. So now, that, now, God, now the devil works big time through this imitating, counterfeiting, and confusing. That's what he is doing to us right now. There's an old saying that anything worth a value is going to be counterfeited. All right? Everything about the Lord is counterfeited by the devil. And we see it everywhere. And then this little table I just slapped together, this is just a few things. I mean, I could have done pages of things that he counterfeits. The Trinity, his son, his church. Satan has a church. It's very active. That's what we're going to talk about next week. He's got a gospel. He's got servants, of course. Uh, he, has, he has apostles. Satan can do miracles. Well, I don't know why we think it's just God. Satan can heal. Judas healed with all of them. Um, Even the apostles did. The who? Didn't some of the apostles heal? Yeah, they did. And so Judas. I mean, the devil can heal. Um, we always talk about the mark of the Antichrist, but God's got a mark, so he's just copying God, because God's has a mark. God's got a throne. Satan has a throne. That's why I put the last. God has a Bible. The devil has a Bible. Why would we think the devil wouldn't want to be active in the Word of God? Of course he would. So, there's that. So, we got to be careful about... He knows the Word of God way better, huh? He, he does. He does. So, anyway, that's, that's one of the reasons. I mean, the devil counterfeits everything in our life. All right, so, i got to move along here. So, now, and that's the devil. So, now we're going to switch gears. The Antichrist. That's his man that's coming. There were 18 of these guys in the Old Testament. They're all a foreshadow of the big one that's coming. Hopefully, I'm sure he's alive right now. I'm sure he's somewhere. That uh, he's, he's going to be revealed shortly. I put a little blurb there about what the Antichrist is. I put the best passages again. At the bottom of the page there, if you take the prominent features, those characteristics from those 18 guys that are the type of the Antichrist, this is what the Bible says the Antichrist is going to do and be. These are his names. He's a politician. He is a politician. He's also a religious guy. These are the titles, and that's where they're at. And on the next page is the list that I was talking about. I got my little Antichrist guy that I use all the time, my little Arab dude. I think it's on page six or seven of you guys. All right, these these twenty characteristics here are are the characteristics that we're going to see in this Antichrist guy. And the first one, it's very clear in a lot of scripture in the Bible that the Antichrist is is of Assyrian Jewish descent. He's an Arab. He's a Jew. He's circumcised, so he's of that. Jewish background. Point number two, he's a charismatic speaker. He's going to convince people. He's probably tall and overweight. Several of these types of the Antichrist, the 18 types, God points out that they're tall or overweight. Like, why would he do that? Like, why? Several of the guys, these 18 types of the Antichrist in the Old Testament, uh, God mentions that they're tall and overweight. It's like, I mean, like right in the middle. I mean, God does this all the time. Yeah, being fat with power. Gluttonous. Yeah, exactly. They have no self-control. They just live off the fat of the land. Um, okay, what's cool with God? And whenever you're reading your Bibles. Whenever I'm reading, whenever we're reading, and we're reading some passage, and it's you know it's kind of flowing, or something going down, 
And all of a sudden, God will insert some sentence that don't make sense. Like, you know, he had a bed of iron. Just right in the middle of something. He had a bed of iron. What? What's that got to do with anything? It's got a lot to do with something. That means something. Yeah, and you just kind of put it in your Rolodex in your head, and someday you'll you'll find it. Well, it's kind of the thing with the tall and the overweight. You know, he'll he'll just say this guy was tall and overweight. <laughs> Says that a couple times about, and they're types of the Antichrist. But anyway, that's kind of cool. Uh, charismatic speaker, no preference or desire for women. You know, and Hitler was that way. Who? I don't know. They're, I don't know if they're gay, but they they aren't interested in women for whatever reason. There's several of these guys in the Old Testament that it just points out they had no desire for women. And actually, Daniel even says it about this guy. I think I put the reference in 1137. They didn't really care for women. That's just odd. Could be. Yeah. Could be. They got more bigger things on their mind. It's, it's just fun to speculate. I'm sorry, I can't hear. Oh, yeah, the, oh, the chimera stuff. Anyway, it's just it's, it's fun to speculate. It's fun to take all these guys and kind of piece together what the Antichrist is going to look like. Um, the head wound. He's definitely going to be... There's going to be an assassination attempt on, on the Antichrist at some point. And he's either going to have a counterfeit resurrection or he's going to miraculously heal from it. And it's going to leave him damaged in his right eye and right arm. I mean, that's many times in the Bible. So that's kind of cool to think about. Uh, he's going to try to change laws in number 12. He's going to do things with the Jews. He's going to break his covenant. Um, he's going to have a mark. So what he's going to do, I, I didn't really put it in good order. Let me just debone this. This is a timeline. This is actually the handout I use in the book of Revelation. But when we get raptured out, the Christians are gone. The Antichrist is going to... That, that's who's now letting. We're preventing him from doing too much. So when we're gone, that's when his plan goes into high gear. And the first thing he's going to do is he's going to bring about peace. You know, we've all heard this. I'm sure you guys have heard all this. He's going to be a peaceful man, a peacemaker. He's going to be the friend of the Jew, friend of the Catholics, friend of the, the Islam, friend of the world. He wants to get everybody's trust. Trust everybody. He's going to be a great speaker, rich dude. You know, all this kind of these traits here. The whole world's going to worship him. And at some point, about halfway through, he's going to turn on Israel and he's going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to want to... You worship me now. You don't worship God. And, and he's going to have a false idol. He's going to have a false prophet come up. That's beast number two in Revelation 13 that's going to promote him. And together, those guys are going to persecute Israel. And I, that's when all the vials and the trumpets and the seals and all the wrath gets poured out on the earth is during that second half when the Antichrist is persecuting Israel. And at the end of it, Israel's almost wiped out. They're living the Matthew 24-25 scenario. They're hiding in the woods, all that kind of stuff. They end up ganging up on Israel at the Valley of Armageddon. And the Antichrist is getting ready to ride in on them to wipe Israel out once and for all. And then that's when the Lord comes back with us, riding on the horses. Not, not ants. I think they're ants. Tried to draw horses. So that's kind of the, the timeline that's going to happen. The devil will use that guy to do all of this, the Antichrist. That's what he's going to do. So, all right, let's go to the next page. I just stuck this in. References to the Antichrist and the persecution of Israel in the book of Psalms. This is something a lot of people may not have seen before. I think it's interesting, so I thought I'd just share it. The order of our Old Testament books, some of them, even 
lay out the same thing I just said about the, the what's going to happen. The Kings and the Chronicles, it's all about Israel as a nation, and at the end of it, their temples destroyed and they're dispersed, just like they are now. And then you've got the book of uh, Esther, I believe is next. Oh, no, Ezra Nehemiah. Ezra Nehemiah. Or is it Esther? Let me think. Yeah, Esther's last. Okay, so Ezra and Nehemiah, they go back to the land and they rebuild their temple. That's kind of what's going on now. They went back May 14th, 1948. The next books are Esther. Is Esther. That's when a Gentile queen gets kicked out and a Jewish queen comes in. So the Gentiles are, are gone, raptured, the Jew comes back, the restoration of the Jew. Then you got Job. 42 chapters where an, a Jew, Job, is persecuted by the devil, which matches the three and a half years of this great tribulation. Okay, so that's Job. Well, the next book is Psalms. And Psalms is full of, of Psalms that are the prayers of the Jews because the Antichrist is chasing them. And I, I put that's what this table represents. Because remember, with Scripture, with God's Word, every verse, every passage, every book has three applications. It's got a historical, I mean, in the book of Psalms, David was really chased by Saul and hiding out in caves. I mean, it really happened. It's got an inspirational. Psalms are very comforting to us as we're going through our problems because of the way David dealt with his and he cried out to the Lord and the Lord saved him. But doctrinally, prophetically, when you read the Psalms, knowing what we've just talked about here, the light will come on that, man, these are Jews being persecuted by the Antichrist that are running for their lives, calling out to God to save them. And there's, there's different types of prayers and things given. I mean, you, you, the Acts of the Antichrist in chapter 10 of Psalms, the thoughts of the Antichrist, things he's thinking. Psalms 109 is a weird one. That gets into Judas and comparing him to the Antichrist and the things that Judas did that aren't really in a lot of detail in the New Testament. So the book of Psalms is a, another key to what the Antichrist is going to be doing. Very cool stuff. So, the limitations of the devil, like I said, he's just a created being. He's not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. He's just a single being. Now, he's got lots of devils, lots of unclean spirits. That's kind of what we work with. Um, and I, I love this little quote from Arthur Pink. And here's the thing with the devil. It's not so much that he can read our minds and, and we give him more credit than what he should have. But he knows human nature better than anybody. He's worked with people for 6,000 years. He knows what buttons for me to push. He knows exactly how to knock me off the mountain. And, and you too. He knows all of our buttons. He studies us. He knows human nature. He knows what we love. He knows what he can dangle in front of us. Kind of That's like the football, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's important to know our enemy. He is our enemy. He knows you. You need to know him. And that's why I like the Old Testament because we see how he works, how he dangles the the alluring things, um, and to get Israel to trip up. All right. So what's all this mean? The last page or so. All this stuff we talked about, you know, uh, you know, God lifts the veil with this mystery of iniquity uh, that it's already here. That's Paul told us that several times. God tells us that the devil working in your life is already here. Um, he wants us to recognize it. In Timothy, it talks about how we need to recognize what the truth is. I mean, I said a few weeks ago, nothing is more comforting than knowing the truth. Especially with all this COVID business. You want to know the truth about what is this. Yeah, I see people on Facebook trying to say COVID is is one of these seals and stuff like that. People that don't understand the, the end times. It's not. You know, it's yeah, we're leading up to it. 
but it's not bad. So anyway, the truth is comforting. We know what it looks like. Do, come again? Crown. Yeah, it's crown. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then how to defeat it. And there's some, some, some good verses there on, on defeating the devil in our life. Because, you know, he, he doesn't want us afraid. The, the devil, you know, he imitates, he counterfeits, he wants to confuse us. And many times Paul tells us, don't be ignorant of his devices. You know, James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He doesn't have full control over us. The more we know about him and his schemes, the better we are and that we can counteract it in our life. And that's why I put the whole thing with, you know, armor up. That's really about the best way we can really live victoriously is to put on the armor that God gives us. Because in verse 12 it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these principalities, against the devil, powers of darkness. We should take the whole armor of God, not just some of it. Don't just come to church. That's not the whole armor. You've got to have the truth, practice righteousness, know the gospel, you have faith, the word of God. I mean, anytime Jesus went up against the devil, you know, he always quoted the word of God. That's that's how we that's how I broke my drinking problem. The devil had a grip on me for a long time. I started putting scripture in my billfold. Whenever I was tempted, just bring it out. Start quoting scripture. And then just claim that this is a promise to me. And God helped me through it. That's how I beat the devil on that one. Uh, What's that? I still carry around a... uh, one of like poke chips. Yeah, as a token. Rolling, yes. To remind me that when I want to, when I even get that little little feather up thorn. Yes. And then I have a little picture on the back of it. Uh, what uh, I just had uh, Jerry take picture, and it was me crying. Oh wow. It reminds me. Yes. Of what I can do, and it has like a little broken heart uh, drew on it. Yeah. Just remind me of where I could go. That is cool. That's what I did. Just carrying scripture yeah, or something to help you. What it can do to you. When the devil's and tempted. Kind of, that little thought of? Is this where I want to go again? Yeah, amen. That's how we break it. All right, so anyway, that's kind of it on the devil. Um, you know, be sober, be vigilant. He's warring lion. He's seeking to devour, but he doesn't have to. You know, we can, we can, we can stand strong against the devil. Um, if, yeah, we've And the key is knowing the word, knowing truth, renewing your mind. You know all the things we talk about. Any questions on the devil? That's a big subject. There's a lot I had to gloss over. But uh, I heard uh, I heard a little thing that uh, back when when he was still in heaven, um, it was like the five pointed star. And like, God was in the center, and Michael was on the left, and uh, yeah, I don't know about Raphael that. and Uriel, and Gabriel, and all that. Uh, they were the other four points, but Lucifer was the top point of the star, and then when he fell, uh, the star yeah. flipped upside down. I haven't read that one, to and, be honest. And it became a satanic star. Yeah, star Rephidim is what that is yeah. in Acts, but... I don't know. I haven't seen it, read that passage. But it, the study of the devil is really cool. I mean, he's. I mean, it's it's fun to study to know your enemy. But anyway, so the devil, the antichrist. We didn't even talk about the false prophet. We didn't get into Revelation like I was wanting to. We're kind of out of time, but uh, it's fun study. Now next week we're going to talk about number seven, the mystery of Babylon, which goes back to the Tower of Babel with Nimrod. And how everything that he started and that was started is still going on strong today. And went on strong all through the Bible. And uh, just how to recognize that. The devil's world religion. So, we'll talk about that. So, any other questions on the devil, Antichrist? Nothing like that. We'll send them to you. How's that? No, no, I don't want to see. <laughs> but you know, even just preparing this lesson on the you devil. Q and A. Yeah, no. Tonight, Monday, Q and A.
Yeah, he's it's funny. It, it's been rough, and even this morning, you know, Steve wasn't able to be here. We had to scramble around. I had to do the cameras. Just, my printer started acting up. I almost ran out of toner yesterday printing these, and it's like, man, everything's going wrong. He knows how to push my buttons because I don't like to be rattled. I don't, none of us do, but anyway. All right, we'll close there. Anyone want to press out? Pat, would you care to? Sure. Just press out. Father, uh, we thank you so much that that you are there for us, Lord. We just coded with everything in our world and life. I mean, living a Christian life is a 